the That's Good From You podcast welcomes you into a dynamic conversation about faith and following King Jesus in a complex world. Join us as we grapple with difficult questions and learn to live in the tension. Welcome back to the That's Good From You podcast. Hello, everybody. We are back and ready for another episode with our lovely special guest, Anna. Hey, guys. If you have not heard our last episode, get your ears on it. It was an absolute firecracker. Mm. It was a long one, a hefty one, but there was some good stuff in there. Yep. Great content. And you really probably do need to listen to that in order to make sense of what we're about to talk about and also to get some context for who Anna is and and what she's on about. Absolutely. Just make yourself a, a cup of tea. Yes. And mm. or break it up if you need to. Yes. If you can't sit and listen for fifty minutes, yeah, there's ways you can make it happen. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Go on a long car trip or something. Yeah. But um, in our last episode, we covered all things burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, what it looks like to be human and experience um moments and stress and exhaustion, and um, we unpacked. I guess the um, like the the disorder, the condition, the diagnosis of burnout, and mm. how significant and intense that can be. And we shared some of our experiences. We shared um, the, some of the signs that can lead to burnout and what it looks like to really walk through that. And so today we are going to be unpacking how to prevent burnout. We're going to be looking at the road of recovery from burnout, and mm. um, through that, touching on self care. Um, and unpacking what that looks like maybe in different terms and different language to how we might usually have come across that idea of self-care in culture. Mm. Um, And so we might just get straight into it. Yeah. It's funny though, even as you're saying that and even having been through a journey of burnout and having to look at self-care, even as you're saying that's what we're about to talk about, I'm like, oh, (laughs) like, do we have to? (laughs) Like, do we have to? And the answer Mm. is yes, we do need to talk about it. But even knowing how important it is, there's still some kind of response in me to the idea of self-care. But I just want you all to know, we have tea, we have hot chocolate, we have brownies. So even in the process of talking about self-care, we are practicing a small part of that as we record Hmm. these episodes. So we'll get into that a little bit more. But Anna, bouncing out of last episode, Mm. we talked a lot about burnout signs, like Emma said. I guess one of the the questions that people might be wondering if they've never experienced burnout, hearing our stories, they're probably thinking, well, I don't want to get to (laughs) to the place that they got to, (laughs) (laughs) which, you know, totally fair fair enough. enough. Yeah. (laughs) How do we go about preventing getting to a place of burnout? What does Mm. that look like? Yeah, I think um, I just want to say, firstly, we do have a choice about talking Mm. about this or not. Now, today we're going to talk about it. Um, But I think, yes, you're right, we have to talk about it, but I think it's also good to remove the have to kind of language. Like we, and it's not about get to, got to, because that's a whole other thing as well, but Mm. like it, we can choose to yes, um, right. and, and choose to lean into the hardness of the conversation. Mm. Um, we can also just be like some days I'm like, no, I'm not mm. yeah. <laughs> doing self-care. Okay, <laughs> so like, if, if you're listening yeah. and that's you today and it's just not going to work for you, maybe choose to listen to this another day. So, exactly. <laughs> Please come back. But, yeah. <laughs> but that's right. Like, so I just want to mm, normalise or bring us back down to earth in some ways that like the the journey is hard and it's lifelong and, and mm. all that. So mm, there are good. some days where I know for me, like there's been some days where I've just literally chosen a bad decision. Mm. I'm like, today I know that 
this, this, and this would be better for me. But today I'm choosing to numb with McLeod's daughters or whatever. <laughs> me too. That's your thing too. Every day. <laughs> um, anyway. And so Sophie's got something as well. But um, <laughs> yes, just um, not McLeod's daughters. So sometimes, yeah. So I just want to normalize yeah, that sometimes true. we can be in that place as well. Yep. And so, um, yep. yeah. But I think, um, so in answer to your question, um, how do we prevent burnout? I guess there's probably a couple, probably two key things that I would pick up on with this. One is we just need to practice increasing our Mm self-awareness. So as a society, we're not that great with being self-aware, knowing what it is we need, what's going on in our body, um, how we're feeling about something, you know, like some, when I was just talking then about some days I choose not to do self-care. Sometimes I don't know. It's not even a conscious choice that I don't want to it's just I choose to numb or whatever and then Mm. I'm like oh I've been numbing lots what's Mm. going on and that's when Mm. I'm becoming more self-aware so we kind of you know the self-awareness journey has ebbs and flows in it Mm. um but I want to pick up on something that um Brene Brown talks about so for those of you who don't know Brene Brown is a research professor um in the United States who studies shame vulnerability worthiness all those sorts of things if you've been listening to the podcast you'll know about (laughs) Brene and she really some one of her concepts like really changed my life and it's a big statement but I think it really had a huge impact on my life which is getting to know and naming your values. Mm-hmm. So you know if if you've been around the you know long enough you've probably done like a what are your values <laughs> test or yeah. questionnaire or whatever. Um and some of them you come out with like 20 core values. And it's yeah. like how is that even possible to to do something with them. And often, like a lot of kind of PD type stuff, we, we do it or we go to it and then we do nothing with it. Mm. So Brene really brings this concept to a place where we can utilise it really well and actually go, what does this look like to have it in my life and, mm. and to, you know, follow through on these uh, this idea of what my values are. So she would actually say choose two core values. Mm. Huh. But I always say that's not fair, Brené. So I say <laughs> four to five yeah. <laughs> is mine because I'm like, two, how are you supposed to do that? But um, so the idea is she talks about values as lighting the way for mm. us. And so values are, you know, the, the things or character traits or whatever that are most important to who we are and who we want to be. Mm-hmm. So not only who we are, but also who we want to be. Because most of us aren't living our values. Yeah. Mm. Most of us think we are or or are in some ways, but not in other ways. Yeah. So let me give you an example. One of my core values is honesty. Mm. Um, and I have with my history of burnout and various other things, I'm a people pleaser in recovery. <laughs> <laughs> Being a people pleaser often means that you don't be completely honest about what you need or what yeah. you want or what's yeah. going on or where you want to go or whatever. So for me, I've deliberately chosen to have honesty as one of my core values. And it's about how I live now, absolutely, mm. but it reminds me mm. to always be honest. So the other part of values, um, which this is where it can help us prevent burnout, is if we know what our core values are, they help us to know are we living in line with our values Mm. Or are we living out of alignment with our values? Mm-hmm. And if we're living out of alignment, we usually get this ickiness in us. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. I don't want to do that. My boss is asking me to do something mm. that I think is dodgy. Mm-hmm. It's like, but I have to do it because it's my job. It's like, there's something within me that isn't okay. 
And maybe one of your values might be integrity in that case. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sophie. Um, and so then it's like noticing what's going on inside you and going, wait, one of my core values is integrity. Mm. So if my boss is asking me to do this, do I just give in and do it and live out of alignment with my values? Mm. Or do I step into courage and say, oh. unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to do that because it yeah. goes against who I am and mm. who I want to be. So what does that mean for us? Mm. What does that mean for my job? Or, mm, <laughs> and, yeah. and this is the hard thing about living your values is that it does mean that sometimes, yeah, you might need to give up on a relationship or mm. a work situation or um, something your pastor asks you to do or, mm. or whatever it is. So that's mm. the values thing. I don't know if you've got yeah. any questions about that before I... It's nice to know that you can have values that um, maybe are not necessarily your current state or what mm. you mm. like your reality of right now because <laughs> one of my values is rest <laughs> <laughs> what a joke I was thinking and I was like oh damn it but it is mm. something that I want to yeah mm. really nail in future and it's a way that I want to live and become so helpful to see that values mm. like cementing them yes it can be a picture of what you're living now, but also like a like a guiding light mm, for exactly. the life you want to live. Yeah, that's right. So for you, if, if rest is one of your core values and you feel like you're in a season of not resting, mm. then as you're noticing that, as you move forward and make decisions, you can start mm. to make those decisions through the lens of your values and in mm. this example, rest. And mm. it's like, you know, I've been asked to do this and that and everything else. It's like, or on the weekend when you're supposed to be not working or resting or whatever, you can go, how do I say yes or no to that mm. based on if I do say yes, then I'm not going to get to rest. Mm. If I say no, then I am going to get to rest and I might make someone unhappy and I might feel a bit icky in the start with that as well, mm. but I know in the long run yes. and even long run might be like t- tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like today you have to say the hard thing, tomorrow you get to enjoy yeah, the rest. That. Mm. Right? Yeah. yeah. So I think – knowing what's important to you and who you want to be and living out that helps us to prevent burnout because mm. oh. it causes us to be able to, you know, ask for what we need and set boundaries and do all the self-care things. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to unpack wow. boundaries a little bit more shortly and I definitely have some questions <laughs> about that then because mm-hmm. it's one of the things I struggle with the most. But say, for example, we haven't had the language or the concept around our values and we do find ourselves in a space of burnout because we haven't been Mm -hmm. living out of our Mm -hmm. values. Mm -hmm. What does recovery from burnout look like and what things might Mm. be helpful in that process? Yeah. So um, I think to start with simply acknowledging Mm. where you Mm. actually are um, because some people might feel or know that they're burnt out but not necessarily have a diagnosis or have talked to a professional um, or anything like that. And so um, I think – that's the first thing is simply acknowledging it, start saying it out loud or saying to friends, I think I might be burnt out Mm. and having those conversations. I would also say then the next thing would be like seek professional help. Mm. And I know how scary that can be and how hard it is and the the challenge of what if I find someone who's dodgy or I don't like Mm. them or whatever. That's probably a whole nother podcast (laughs) about some tips on that. But, um, you know, and and ask people in your life for suggestions Mm. so that it's not just a random Google search but Mm. instead it's like have you ever seen anyone or do you know someone who's seen someone and all those Mm. sorts of things. Um, The other things I think are like 
rest, 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 <laughs> whatever that looks like, yeah. um, and play, play, play. Mm. So if you're burnt out, two of the key things that things I had to learn in my burnout was, number one, what rest looks like for me, yeah. um, which is different for everyone. That's why you have a professional to help you nut that out mm-hmm. or a, a mentor or someone who can really help you wrestle with that. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is play. You know, mm. the research shows that we stop playing around the age of eight. Wow, Whoa. that's early. Yes, eight. Yep. Huh. <laughs> I'm loving your your faces right now. <laughs> so the sad. reason for that is because around the age of eight, nine, ten, that kind of um, those few years, we start to recognise um, that we're different from others. Mm. We start to um, sometimes experience this idea of comparison. Mm. So like. You might, for example, um, if you're a, yeah, a child, you're on the bus to school and you see a horse in the, in the paddock, you're like, oh, there's, there's a horse. And then you get to school and they say, draw a horse. And um, one person draws a, a really lifelike horse with, mm. you know, it looks all pretty and amazing like a horse is. And then someone else, or let's say me as an eight-year-old, draws a horse with like two heads. <laughs> and suddenly you look across and you're mm. like, that person's horse looks like the horse that I saw in the paddock. Mm. Therefore, oh, I don't know how to draw a horse. Mm. My, my picture is bad or mm. whatever. And so that idea of comparison often can stop us from playing and having fun and taking risks and having adventure and all that sort of stuff. Mm. So skip to then being adults. We just, and especially in our current society, like we're just so caught up in busyness and yeah. and expectations and you know, keeping everyone happy and all the things. And so play, having fun, doing something just for the sake of it often is one of the last things, uh, one of the first things, sorry, that mm. goes from our list. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so Dr. Stuart Brown writes a book called Play um, and one he, he talks about the fact that he does, he can't, someone says to him, give, like what's your definition of play? And he's like, I don't have a definition of play. I have properties of play. There's mm-hmm. seven, and I can never remember them except for this one, um, <laughs> is that play is purposeless. Oh. <laughs> Where's the productivity in that, Anna? <laughs> you tell me, Anna. Where, where could the productivity in that be? <laughs> oh. Oh. No. That's the thing. It isn't. Hey, and, yeah, and well. again, that's what we talked about in the previous episode is yeah. that like that wrestle of productivity and being machines mm-hmm. and the expectation from society that that's how we, we would be. So that's a bit of a side note wow. about play. But I think is... like learn to go, what are the things that I love doing just mm. for the sake of doing them? Mm. Not yeah. because I'm caring for someone or serving God um, at church or, or doing being at work or whatever, but just because mm. like... Sophie, tell me one thing that you would love to do for play. And I knew you were about to ask me that question. And I'm, gonna and I'm ask, like, oh, ask, no. Now I'm going to prep. Yeah, you get time to prep. Uh, as you were talking, I was thinking about the fact that, and I have a, the tendency to also then turn this into work, so this yeah. is a bit of a problem, but I love taking photos. Yeah. And so I'm really, I'm going overseas in a few weeks for a month and I'm really excited to 
just take my camera out into the cities around Europe that I'm going into. And what I've started trying to do is post less on social media Mm -hmm. so that the photos actually only exist for me. They don't exist for other people. And so I'll still post some stuff about my trip, like my trip. And photography does end up sometimes becoming work Mm. when workplaces ask you to do it. But the stuff that's for me is really fun. Having that boundary of there are some – because this is the thing, like there are some things that we love doing that do turn into work. Mm. But I think you can still work out a way to be like – I'm just taking photos today just for the sake of it. Yep. And then there are other times where it's like I'm actually in work mode. Yep. These photos are for work yep. or whatever. I, and I think that's possible. Often yeah. that can get yep. blurry very quickly. Yes. But yes. Yeah. What about you, Emma? What's the thing you love to do for fun? <laughs> it's so sad because I feel like nothing is coming to my mind. Mm. And, yes, I had all that time to prep. <laughs> <laughs> You were listening at the same time. Yeah, yeah, you were active listening. (laughs) I have nothing in my mind and maybe that's just the kind of state that I'm in right now but I'm Mm -hmm. finding it really hard to be able to nail down something that I simply enjoy in my life just because that there's Mm -hmm. no sense of productivity in that. So Mm -hmm. can I help you? (laughs) Please. (laughs) I need help. Because I think this is a good example Mm -hmm. of maybe what we need to do. If you're in burnout and someone says to you, what do you like doing for fun? Don't – you might feel some shame or some, I can't, I don't know. Like, yeah. I don't know what I do for fun. Like I'm someone who doesn't have many hobbies and sometimes I can be triggered in, I need to get more hobbies and <laughs> like have a life outside of serious things. Um, walking around Bunnings just for the sake of it. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. yeah so sometimes asking, so mm. if you are like, this is a gen- genuine tip. If you're struggling with that, Number one, I would say ask your friends and family Mm. this weekend or tonight, tomorrow, whenever you're listening to this, and just be like, what do you do for fun? Or Mm. or what what feels like play to you Mm. Um, or what sounds fun to you? Like um, there's a podcast called That Sounds Fun. Sorry. (laughs) um, And she asks all of her people what sounds fun to you at the moment. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, but if you're like, I don't know, or if they say, I don't know, reflect back to them. I know when you do this, you light up. Yeah. Or I know in the past mm. you've talked about this mm. or, you know, that sort of stuff. So we can help each other to to remember what's fun for us, especially if we're in a space of maybe mm. really struggling at the moment. It, we won't be able to just automatically yeah. answer that question. Yeah. So yeah. That's that, helpful. That's really yeah. helpful. It's good. Yeah. And so I guess uh, a huge a huge part of this is going to be us being, like you say, growing in our self-awareness, being more mindful of ourselves. And at some point having to do the thing that's the most scary for me, which is figure out what I need on any given day and then practice that. (laughs) And that's possibly one way to describe where we're heading, which is into talking about self-care. And how would you define self-care or help us frame it and understand what it is and why it's important? Mm. Mm, yeah, for sure. I, over the years, I've kind of looked at this area. I've come, I uh, found someone whose name is Lucille Zimmerman. She's from uh, a counsellor from the United States um, mm. and wrote a book called Renewed. And I just love her definition. It, I think it touches on so many different elements that are really hard, but also not just what we think self-care is maybe, but Mm. a deeper kind of level to that. So I'm going to read it out and then we might unpack it a little bit. She says, self-care just means putting yourself on the list. It Mm. means valuing yourself enough to know you need to spend time resting, setting boundaries and engaging in activities that make you happy or Mm. cared for without feeling guilty. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that last bit's awesome. 
mm. without feeling guilty. Yeah. So the key things that come up for me in that particular um, definition are valuing yourself, mm. um, spending time resting, spending time setting boundaries and spending time engaging in activities that make us happy, which is what we've just been talking about with play mm. <laughs> or cared for, yes. right? So treating ourselves with love and kindness and gentleness um, so that we can – and practising caring for ourselves – most people listening to this are probably caring for millions of people in their mm, yeah. life. So you know mm. how to care. Yeah. Just yeah. do it for yourself. <laughs> yeah. It's not that hard, people. So no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so, so that's, um, I don't know, maybe I'll let you guys ask me any questions about mm. unpacking that because um, I could go on a big <laughs> In my head and in an unhealthy state, <laughs> you saying that, I'm like, What's the point? Like, what's the point of putting ourselves on the list when there's other things to do? Mm. Like, mm-hmm. why would you prioritize yourself? Yeah. 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 Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's a big question. Mm. It's a great question. And an answer that is different for each person. Yeah. <laughs> because I think you need to wrestle to get to the answer. Mm. You know, like... My initial answer, if someone asked me that, would be well, I would just go into how God sees us mm. and which is why the first part of this um, definition around it means valuing yourself. Mm. Yeah. I, I just am so passionate about the fact that I think we as a society value our computers and our phones and all of the materialistic things in our life way more than we value ourselves Mm. and our health as a general rule Mm. um and i just believe that god wants us to actually treat ourselves the way that he treats us Mm. to see ourselves the way that he sees us Mm. and i would say that's why Mm. to do all those things so that we can get to a place of genuinely like loving on ourselves trying to because we can't fully that's Mm. why god is who he is Mm. um but learn to treat ourselves in a way that I think he, in a way that I think he wants us to treat ourselves, mm. which can sometimes be challenging because we have a lot of messages around, you know, um, never, never doing things for ourselves, totally, and, and because that's selfish and all those mm. sorts of things. So, mm. um, yeah, that would be my answer to why. Mm. Um, but I think it's one of those things. It's like any question around why, even if that's where you get. Mm. to you know down the track is that at some point that'll mean something to you yeah. whereas me saying it which is why I left totally. there a big space yeah. when you yeah. ask the question because it's like sometimes telling answering that kind of a question isn't actually helpful mm. the individual needs to sit in that discomfort and wrestle yeah. with that to get to the place of really believing totally that they're mm. valued yep and that spending time resting and setting boundaries and doing fun things is actually productive yep yeah mm. yeah interesting yeah and also the wrestle is really important because that's how we overcome the without feeling guilty stuff. Yeah. So the yes. part at the end that you do all those things without feeling guilty, that you have to wrestle with mm. because most of us will have an upbringing if we, ch- if we struggle with doing things for ourselves and caring for ourselves. Mm. Most of us will have an upbringing that taught us not to do that. Mm. Mm. And so that means the wrestle is understanding your history and your yeah. childhood and your background and trauma that. and all that stuff. It's not just about from now, right now, I'm busy, 
stop being busy and I'll be fine. <laughs> like that's what I meant in the previous episode talking about there's a lot of things that can lead us to burnout. Yes. And some of it is not only, you know, busyness and challenging work situations mm. or life stages or whatever. Some of it is actually personality stuff yeah. and childhood yeah, upbringing totally. and family of origin and yeah, stuff like, like that. Hardwiring of your brain. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. 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 And that I think that in some ways that can be a bit defeating because you're like okay as a child my brain was hardwired this way but then also remembering like okay it, it's actually okay if it takes time to learn this because your brain is having to retrain some of its mm-hmm. pathways yeah. in order to learn it and so on, on one hand I'm like oh it's going to take forever and on the other hand I'm like well it's actually okay that it takes time because mm-hmm. that's quite a quite the process yeah for your brain to have to go through yeah and I always say like any anything that like so if we have things from our past um, we often in the therapy world call that um, learned behaviour. Mm. So I always say if you've got learned behaviour, then you can unlearn behaviour. Mm. Right. Like, mm. So yeah. just if, if you're struggling with it, kind of make it as dumbed down and simple as that. Yep. Um, and the cool thing is that God has created our brain yes. to be able to be rewired, which is amazing. And mm. scientists have only figured this out in the last like 50 years or something. Mm. Before that, they actually thought if you've got a brain wow. injury, that's it. Like, done, sorry. Mm. sucks to be you kind of thing whereas yeah. now it's like no like yeah, you can wow. train your brain um that's called neuroplasticity if anyone wants to google it, it. <laughs> yeah yeah wow mm. yeah i've mentioned it already but it's the setting boundaries part of mm. that quote that i think like obviously i've got to learn to do the play thing a little like and and explore that a little bit more because it's again something that i left behind in my childhood around the age of eight mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but but boundaries for me have been the really tricky one. I think um, I've been okay in recent years at setting them, but what I haven't been good at is when people have pushed back on them. What do you do when you're working really hard to set boundaries so that you do avoid ending up in a burnout space, but then not being respected mm-hmm. or treated well? Yeah. I once had a um, mentor who taught me a lot about boundaries. She said to me one day, oh my gosh, Anna. I've like learned this new thing about boundaries. And I was like, oh my gosh, you've taught me everything. Like, what are you learning? (laughs) (laughs) And she said, I learned, I realized that it makes sense for other people to be annoyed when I set a boundary on them. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, it's not their boundary. Like it's my boundary. So why would someone else be happy about that? Or Mm. yes, good on you for saying no when I need you to help me do something. It's like, of course you should say no. Like you're not going to get people respond like that, (laughs) especially if they're asking you to do something because they want your help, right? Anyway, she was so excited about it and it it just made me laugh more so (laughs) than like change my life as well. Mm. But so I think number one, like as a side note, semi funny story, but I think it's important to remember that my boundary is going to be different to other people's boundaries. Mm. So when you get pushback, it's almost like kind of expect you're going to get it to yeah, start with right. so that you're not kind of like, I can set boundaries and it's going to be great and mm. no one's going to challenge it and everyone's going to be supportive. It's <laughs> just not going to happen. Yeah. yeah, Because what's important to you isn't always important mm. to the per- to the other people right. where you're saying no or saying Values I can't do again, this. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's mm. right. And also just keep in mind as a general rule, my belief is that people who haven't had boundaries set on them before Mm. or haven't had yeah like haven't grown up with a lot of boundaries if they or even in your current relationship or like working or otherwise Mm. if you haven't really had boundaries there before Mm. and then you start setting boundaries 
people in that setting are going to be like, excuse me? Like, mm. you've never had a problem doing this before for me. Mm. So why is it now a problem? And then, as I said, if, if they're people who've never really had boundaries set on them, they'll probably have a defensive reaction because it'll be like, nobody's nobody says no to me yeah. or yeah. so just frame, I guess, have your, a posture for yourself to be like, Oh, like I, and almost some empathy for them mm. when you have to enter into that hard conversation to say mm. like, yeah, I realize this is probably not what you had hoped for. Um, you know, I, I can see how it's hard for you. Unfortunately at the moment, this is just what I need to do. So I think part of it, when you'd have people who don't respect your boundary, it's really hard. Mm. Absolutely. It's not a it's not a flippant thing that I'm going to say, oh, you'll be fine. It, they'll get over it eventually yeah, yeah. kind of thing. It's important to acknowledge that it is hard. Mm. And I think I always talk about setting and implementing the boundaries. So you mm. set it, but then you have to, yep. you have to yeah. reset it and reset yep. it and actually live it out kind mm. of thing. And that's where it's the reset, the the implementing it or the mm. the resetting of that boundary to sit in the discomfort you don't have to convince them mm. why you've set the boundary. It's okay. So if you've got someone who's struggling to respect your boundaries, a big part of it is just having to go back to them and say, like, I, I have to say no, as I said last time, I'm mm. unable to do that. Um, or like the story I was telling you guys before about work, it's like, thank you for asking, but I'm still happy with the amount of days that I'm doing. Mm. Um, so you can, we can, I think, when we set the boundaries, we can be really kind mm. still to the people who are pushing back on them. Mm. But it's sometimes helpful for us to have framed in our mind, it makes sense that they're not always going to yeah. like our mm. boundaries yeah. as mm. opposed to I'm going to set a boundary and everyone's going to be happy. <laughs> it's like if you think that, mm. you're going to yeah. be like, I ain't setting a boundary ever again because yeah, it just causes conflict, yeah. Like, yeah. which even conflict could still be there. Mm. We can just have a different posture about yeah. like, yeah, I, I can hear that that's challenging for you or that it's not what you expected um, right now. Unfortunately, I just can't be the person to do that. Mm. Maybe in six months time, I might be able to be, mm. let's re like, let's re look at it. Mm. And if then you're like, no, I still don't want to do it. It's okay to say, I actually have decided I don't want to do it at all. Yeah. Like, so um, I'd appreciate it if you stopped asking mm. and there might be someone else who could help. Mm. So it's about your tone of voice and all those things, yeah. but also just be kind to yourselves yes. because, um, I've been practicing that stuff a lot. And yep. when it's my stuff, I'm very rarely that kind. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. Mm. Um, because I'm being triggered about not being good enough. Yes. When I'm making someone unhappy because yep. I'm setting a boundary. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that answers no, your question. That is so helpful. Yeah. Because I think you, you've named a bunch of things. Like when someone's pushing back, it's not necessarily the pushback, it's the internal dialogue of. Yes all the reasons that I think I should have to do it or should be doing it or should be capable of doing yep. it that are then making me question whether I should have set the boundary in the first place, all those yep. sorts of things. So I think, yeah, yep. it's real, it's helpful. Yeah. And I think um, the other part of setting boundaries is using your values as, as your guide for yes. what your boundaries right. need to be, your yes yeah. and no's. Yep. Um, and further to that, like if it's a situation where, I don't know, it's a best friend or it could be a work situation or your spouse or someone that's really important to you. It's also okay to say, thank you for sharing with me that this is a hard boundary for you. Mm. Let's have a conversation about what maybe like a, a compromise could be. Um, and only you can then know yeah. if the compromise is going to make you live inside or outside of your values, then that's hard. And then that's mm. why therapy is really good because mm. <laughs> it helps you to really pull apart. Like why, 
can I not compromise on this? Like, yes. Where is that coming from? It's sometimes it's not just as simple as a, you know, a decision to set a boundary. Mm. If you then get pushed back and you need to wrestle with it, sometimes it's like I just can't compromise on this, but I don't yeah. know why. Like I can't articulate to this mm. important person in my life why it's so important to me. And that's where either really close friends or a therapist or someone like that can help you really nut it out and be like, yeah. where is this coming from? Why is this boundary important to me in the first place? What's happened in the lead up to that? Why mm. am I not being willing to bend on it? Like, Because if you understand all that, Mm. then number one, you might be able to bend on it if it's a worthy enough reason. Yes. Or number two, you might be able to articulate it differently, which mm. will help the other person understand. Yeah. Mm. Mm. yeah. Right. So it's super yeah. deep stuff. It's not. It's never just as simple as saying yes and no. Sometimes it is. Yes. Mm. <laughs> but sometimes it's not as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, when we think about self-care, boundaries must be implemented yeah. when we're practising self-care. Mm-hmm. Could we touch on maybe the difference between maybe how society sees self-care and that kind of language Mm -hmm. and maybe what you mean when you're saying self-care and implementing boundaries in order to practice self-care. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. One of the myths of self-care is that it's always fun, always (laughs) freeing, always pretty and beautiful, like always a treat, you know, like Mm. it might be I don't know, when I first started practising um, self-care, I was like going to the movies a few times a week and I was off work so I could. Mm. <laughs> um, but like going to the movies was really important to me, buying myself flowers, getting massages, mm. like going for nice long walks in nature mm. and like all these things that are beautiful and pretty and, and f- or, or like some people in society also think that self-care is just like, you know, a trip to Bali for a week or or whatever and all those things are part of self-care 100 percent. but for me i think it's always important to see self-care as something much deeper than that Mm. and it and that's why this idea of valuing yourself is where that comes from it's like if i really value myself i'm gonna have the hard conversation Mm. with some Mm. the the person who's really important to me yeah if i if I really value myself, I'm going to set the boundaries. Mm, um, right. So for me, self-care is about getting to know myself, mm-hmm. learning to value who I am mm. so mm. that I can then share that person with the world mm. and be free in that. Because as a, as a people pleaser in recovery, I never used to share the, my, the trueness of who I am with people because mm. I'd always worry that I'd be judged or they wouldn't like me or um, I'd offend someone or whatever it is so I used to just do what I thought people would like yeah mm. interesting um so I think that's the main difference for me like when I look at self-care um it includes the hard things right mm. yes and the things just... that I don't always want to do like exercise yeah I'm really bad at that at the moment but <laughs> <laughs> exercise eating healthy getting mm. good sleep yeah like mm. those talking to myself kindly those four things is what I talk about as like my self-care 101 kind mm. of things. Mm. Like if you're doing those four things, then you're pretty much going to at least you'll start going on the up um, because they're just really good for you. So, mm. but sometimes I don't want to eat healthy. Mm. Sometimes I don't want to exercise. So for me to, if I want to honor and value myself though, I have to choose those hard things. Yeah, mm. It's not just about, I'm going to treat myself with all the cheesecake in the world or like I'm going to treat myself on a mm. holiday and go into debt. That might not be good self-care to go into debt. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So self-care for me is about 
the things I need to do so that I can be the best version mm. of myself so that I can then be the best for the people in my life. Yeah. Mm. It's not just about I can be the best for me and yes. then I get to just be the best me and I can hang out with me and not have to, yeah. you know, me, 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 mm. which I think is another myth mm. about how the world sees self-care yeah. and some of the things I get challenged on in a Christian setting is that self-care is selfish mm. and so, right. yeah. yeah. Mm, I like that. That flips things for me because you're right, like I will often think self-care, I've got to go for, and I say go for a walk, not in the exercise thing, but go for that long walk on the beach or yeah. Yeah. Um, have a bath and light a candle or whatever the yeah, thing yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> it's like actually no, sometimes self-care is having that hard conversation and setting the boundary. Yeah. And that, that's a part of self-care that I'm like, mm, nah, <laughs> yeah. take mm, a leave exactly. that part. Yeah. But it is so important because it is, we often don't necessarily think about it like this, but setting a boundary is caring for yourself, which is what self-care yes, is. Yes, right. Exactly. If at the core of self-care is valuing yourself mm. yeah, and you do whatever it takes in order to value yourself. And mm. that doesn't look just like the pretty things like buying yourself flowers or going to the movies, yeah. although that can be part of it. Yeah. Valuing yourself can be a much deeper work yeah, and often a hard, mm. yeah. hard piece of work too. Yeah, and I think too with this, the boundaries thing, Brene talks about in her research that the most boundaried people are the most compassionate people. So which is like blows blew my mind mm. when I first read it because we think set a boundary, that's a mean thing to do. Mm. Yeah. Right? Or set it or say no. Selfish, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. But what she discovered is that people who had the courage to say no or yes – Right. So mm. they took they knew when they said yes that they could really in, invest or, or be present mm. um, were actually much more compassionate. And so what she means is that when we say yes out of bitterness or say yes out of obligation, we're not very nice people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> yeah. We try to be, and yeah. I think as Christians especially, right. it's like yeah, all right. Yep, I'll do it. And then internally we're like, this is the last place I want to be. Totally. But it's all good. I'm so excited <laughs> to be here. Yeah. Yep. And then Serving we're serving the Lord. That's right. So then we're actually <laughs> pushing down how we really feel. Yeah. And then yeah. that we talk about our body in a bit, our emotion stays in there. Whereas if we go, oh, you know what, doing that thing is the last thing I want to do this week or that this month, I just can't yeah. fit it in. Or I just actually don't want to do it. Mm. It's okay to just not want to do things, people. <laughs> Sorry, um, did you just say that it's okay to not do something if we just don't want to? Yeah. For no other reason? Uh-huh. Are you even Christian, Anna? <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> <laughs> like, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> this turns into an expose. The big reveal. <laughs> um, well, it's true. When I work with people in my therapy room, I let them know. I'm going to challenge things in a different way that some mm. other therapists or Christian counsellors might. So, however, if we say no and we say, unfortunately, I can't help you this time, but please ask me next month mm. because I might have more time or feel better or whatever, mm. then when we interact with those people, we can still just be nice and kind and loving mm. and have a good relationship with them. Whereas if we say yes, mm. it's easy enough for us to go, oh, there's that person who made me do this thing it's like number one they didn't make you do anything yes. um and so yeah so that's the link between mm. boundaries and compassion mm. it's a it's it's a bit challenging to get your head around like yeah it takes a bit to get your head around it but i i would say i'm a much nicer person now that i have boundaries mm. because i'm i've i just own when i'm not doing well and that's part of the coming out of burnout stuff mm. is like if i've got five nights booked out 
I'll usually cancel something yeah. because I'm like, oh, how did that happen? Whoops. Like, because yeah. that sometimes happens. Um, or if I just feel like, wow, I've clearly just had a big month mm. or a big week and this thing, I'm actually feeling really tired tonight so I'm mm. actually not going to go or mm. reschedule mm. or whatever um, because I know if I push through and then push through and then push through, that's how we get burnt out again. Yes. yes. And then become unhealthy and then Correct. treat yeah. people. Yep unkindly yeah that's right yeah yeah so it's knowing yourself well enough valuing yourself enough to put things in place in order to be the healthiest mm. best version of yourself yeah for the people around you that's mm. it yeah yeah i want to pick up on something emma the joke emma just made about are you even christian because <laughs> there, there could genuinely be people listening going like this sounds like Heresy. not the bible that i've read mm. when mm-hmm. what we're used to reading is um you know, deny yourself, more of Jesus, less of me, all Take those kinds of things. Yeah. Why do you think this is important from a Christian perspective? Mm. Well, one of the first passages I always go to around it um, is from Matthew. I've got to get the right. Matthew 22, mm. 37 to 39. I'm going to read it and then mm. unpack it. Uh, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second most important is similar. Love your neighbour as much as you love yourself. Mm. So for me, I read that one day and it just stood out to me like nothing I'd ever read before in regards to self-care is this passage. Usually it says love your neighbour as yourself. Mm. But I always specifically use this version that says love your neighbour as much as you love yourself. Because number one, we can't actually care for others or for ourselves unless we know that we're cared for by God, Mm. right? So that's why that's the first Mm. commandment, 100%. Love God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength, which, you know, you could actually look at that as physical, emotional, social. Mm. And Mm. so what does it look like to to love God with our strength? What does it look like to love God with our our physical Mm. body, Um, et cetera? And so once we know who we are in Christ, then we can love others and love ourselves. Mm. But I just love this that it says love your neighbour as much as you love yourself. Mm. So unfortunately quite a few of us don't really care for ourselves very well. Mm. So if we're not caring for ourselves, if you think about anything we look after, let's use something really shallow and materialistic. My computer, Mm. my laptop, I use it for work. I look after that very well. Mm. It doesn't stay on the floor where I can step on it. If it needs an update, I do an update. If mm. it needs to be charged, I charge it. Some of us don't do that very well for ourselves. Mm. So if I'm not doing that for myself, then Jesus is saying I'm probably not able to actually love other people mm. very well. So when mm. I read this, I hear like love your neighbour as much as you love yourself. So if you're not loving yourself very well, you're probably not going to love your neighbour very well. Mm. If you are loving yourself more, then by default mm. you'll love other people more because you'll have more energy to give them and you'll be able to love them with mm. genuineness mm-hmm. rather than, ah, oh, that's right, I need to be present and happy <laughs> yeah. and, you know, even if you're not really, mm. you know. So for me that that passage is always really important. Number one, it puts God first mm. in in this process of looking after myself. What mm. does it look like to love God? What does it look like to love God with all my heart, soul, mind and strength. So that's how I kind of look at that. And mm. I think it's about reframing, yeah, how we see looking after ourselves in relation to how 
God sees us. Mm. Um, yeah. Mm. My question is like, how do we tackle the the scriptures that are quite often um, skewed and perhaps manipulated? Take up your cross and follow me. Like deny yourself. Mm. How do we grapple with those scriptures? When it comes to caring for ourselves, valuing ourselves when we hear in the Bible and people preach from a platform, mm-hmm. deny yourself. Mm. Have you guys thought about that scripture in a deeper way around this kind of topic? Or mm. I want to, um, classic Sophie move. I want to do a little bit of reading this morning because <laughs> that's what I do. Opened a few commentaries. And uh, as you've heard probably me and Emma talk about previously on the podcast, if you've been listening to us for a while, one of my great passions is helping people read the Bible in context. And one of the contexts that we've got to understand is the first century context. Before we ever start applying a passage of scripture to ourselves, we need to understand what would have it meant to the people who were hearing it. And this one in particular, this, you know, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. A lot of the commentators were talking about how Jesus is literally talking about martyrdom here, like Mm -hmm. martyrdom, losing your life for your faith, specifically for your faith was a huge issue that the early church was facing. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John were all written to early Christian communities who were experiencing the most horrendous persecution. Like you wouldn't believe one of the Roman emperors would crucify Christians and then cover them in tar, light them on fire and use Christians on sticks to light his gardens. Like we're talking about extreme persecution. And Jesus is saying here, if you want to follow me, the path of suffering is the path that I'm about to walk yeah. and it's probably the path you're about to walk for your faith as well. Yeah. This is meant to be an encouragement to Christians who are experiencing severe persecution and death for their faith mm. and we come along and go, well, it says deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me and because I'm not experiencing persecution because I live in the West in a very privileged position, that must mean that I have to deny caring for myself in order to follow Jesus. It's like, well, no, that's not what the passage yeah. is about. Yeah, yeah. meant to be about. And so I do think we really need to be careful with things like this because if you find a passage in, in scripture that seems to contradict others where it is, you know, love yourself and love others, love God. If you find one or two passages that seem to contradict the rest of the narrative that God gives good gifts to his people, that he cares for them, that he wants us to care for ourselves, mm. then it's possible that you're reading those couple of passages wrong and maybe need to go and do some work on them. So mm. that's in terms of my like Bible nerdy thing. Mm. That's where I would take us on that. That's not to say the passage doesn't have something to say to us. It yeah. certainly does, but we just need to be careful um, not to overread self-care into a passage that yeah. wasn't necessarily about self-care. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And I think too, with this particular passage, like just in regards to the self-care thing, one of the things that um, I discovered in my research um, in prep for this conversation too, is like this idea of Sometimes we can think denying ourselves, um, it's almost like deny yourself versus deny your humanity. Mm. And what like, so if I'm denying myself, am I denying who I am as a human? Mm. And, and I was just like, oh, that's interesting. Um, but I think also like part, as I was just saying about what I, how I see self-care is having hard conversations, setting boundaries, asking mm. for what I need. You know, to me... I don't love having those hard conversations, right? Mm. I don't know who does. Um, and so there's almost an element of when I choose to lean into those hard conversations, I'm denying myself. Mm. It's like it's mm. like I could be really selfish and just be like, 
I don't care about the relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to avoid this situation. I'm mm-hmm. not going to confront them on something that really hurt me or I'm not going to share something that I've discovered about myself that impacts that person. I'm mm-hmm. just going to put it aside, imagine it didn't exist, which for me personally I think is actually really selfish mm-hmm. and it's, it's not caring for myself because I'm going to eventually, eventually that will come to the surface, yeah. right? But in that moment I'm pushing it aside, pushing it aside, not to necessarily care for myself because sometimes there is a time to do that. I've mm. just caused that. But if that's how I live and as a people pleaser, ten- we tend to do that and we push it aside thinking we can push it aside forever mm. because we don't want to go into conflict or have the hard conversation. Yeah. So for me, when I do think about the denying myself, I'm like, I actually think that leaning into the hard conversations mm. is honouring the relationship or the other person mm. to a degree more than me, probably by default, maybe it's on par Mm. because for me to talk about it will be helpful for myself as well. But it also honors the relationship because the other person might not know that I need to talk about that. Right. Mm. So if I just put it, push it aside, Mm. they might not, they might not bring it up because they might not know it's an issue. Mm. So I I don't know if that's twisting anything. I don't necessarily that's think that's in relation to necessarily that context, the Mm. the biblical, um, that verse we're talking about. Mm. But I think, the concept of denying ourselves, sometimes we do. That's where self-care, looking after ourselves, helps others. Mm. And so remembering that mm. if it's only helping us, then it probably, then it might be into a level of selfishness. Mm. But if it's also, if it's for the purpose of being able to be a better person for mm. the world, our relationships, our home mm. life, our work life, whatever mm. it is, then, then I think it's not selfish. You know, so I don't know. That's probably where I'd sit in relation to that. So one of the things that uh, Emma and I previously talked about on the podcast, and I think this does does fit in that denying self category, is that as Christians, because we've grown up with a Greek worldview, like a worldview that was established kind of in the first century Greco-Roman world that says the kind of the soul is good and the body is bad and that we want to uh, escape our bodies and our souls will go to be somewhere better, uh, which is genuinely something some of the Greek philosophers used to say, that we have tended to then deny our bodies in this process. And I think all three of us would be able to say that when we're not listening to our bodies, even when they're screaming at us, Mm -hmm. uh, that that's actually not a healthy part of this um, self-care and burnout process and recovery. Mm. So Anna, do you have any thoughts about what the significance is or the importance mm. is of listening to our bodies mm. in this process? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I guess we know from particularly trauma research um, <clears throat> that uh, your emotions stay in your body. Mm. So there's a that's kind of a, a phrase that's used, your emotions stay in your body. Um And basically what that means is that when we have a challenging situation, so it might not necessarily be trauma, capital T, meaning, you know, Mm. um, sexual abuse or something that Mm. is somewhat really debilitating, um, but instead more just a situation that has happened in our our life that causes us to go into fight and flight. Mm. Even that that experience of emotion stays in our body. What that phrase really means is that if we don't process or name what we're feeling, it sometimes then manifests in our body. Mm. So we get sick or get Mm. headaches or tight shoulders or clammy hands or feel sick or extreme cases get cancer or or Mm. whatever it is. And Mm. so there's a whole nother, you can can look into the Mm. readings around, um, Mm. you know, people who've 
who have been chaplains or whatever in hospitals and how unforgiveness, you know, when people have worked through unforgiveness, mm. how they've been healed of, of cancers and stuff like that. Wow. So it's a whole other thing you can mm. explore wow. if you want to. Um, but I think in regards to burnout, if we think about this fight and flight adrenaline rush kind of concept mm. of going, 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 not slowing down, then we're not actually giving ourselves enough space to process our emotion, mm. therefore it stays in our body, mm. which is why sometimes people who get burnt out can't get out of bed, mm. and they or they get um, they might get uh, you know chronic fatigue or or migraines mm. or um, or feel nauseous all the time, those sorts of things. So um, yeah, so I guess that's the core thing around what happens in our bodies, and that's why, like, so Brene she talks about the importance of. So she she believes that when we have a situation in our life, it doesn't have to be super bad or hard, but just, I don't know, someone who looks at us the wrong way, mm. um, instantly our body will react. Mm. And she believes that our physiological body will respond in some way. If we can notice that, it'll help us to name what we're feeling and then after that we think, which is actually flips some psychological theory on its head because mm. some think that you think at first yeah. and then you feel it. it and you figure out what's going on in your body. Mm. Renee would say the other way. And so particularly she talks about in relation to shame that you need to work out what your body does and how it reacts to shame to help you know that you're in shame before mm. you're able to name it because shame keeps us quiet and mm. small and we don't want to tell people. So it's the same with any other emotion though. It's like what do you like what happens in your body if you feel if you're feeling anxious like what happens mm. in your body when you're feeling stressed like I was saying in the episode before that like I I know that when I'm in a really stressful situation I get headaches and I don't sleep mm. very well so there are two things um from a either well, behavior is I guess sleep but um the the headaches is very much related to stress for me mm. and so yeah so I think it's just about also noticing mm. what's happening in our bodies to help us move through the process mm. in a in a different kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 So I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does and it's helpful. I think the, the challenge for me is that I – so I get migraines at different times uh, mm-hmm. for various reasons. My body does all sorts of different things, but one of the key contributing factors to that is stress. Yeah. The problem is I don't – and this is probably the problem in both episodes. I don't recognize it until it's too late, and there are yeah. actually things that you can do mm. to prevent mm-hmm. a migraine. Mm. So, are, do, are there things that you would suggest for people like me, people maybe who are listening who are in a similar situation, of actually how to go about listening to yeah. our bodies, mm. yeah. so that we avoid whether it's the headache, whether it's the migraine, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. The first thing you're not going to like, yay, <laughs> yeah. um, is. We just have to slow our lives down. <sighs> Anna, <Yeah. laughs> enough of hearing that. <laughs> um, and I think in the interim, like if you're in a situation where you're like clearly things aren't okay, mm. I would just say, like I've done this with clients sometimes, is li- literally write out every single thing going on in your life, mm. all the commitments you have, whether it's you know um, daily, weekly, monthly commitments, and then go through the list and say for the next three months or six months, what can I actually decommit from Mm. and just say, and this is where the vulnerability stuff comes in. It's like you have to then sometimes go to your leader or whoever it is and say, 
um, I'm not doing well and I actually need to not commit. Like I can't commit for that mm. for the rest of the year or, or whatever it is. And remember that if you do any of that, it's just for a time. Mm. Like I think yeah, people yeah. get all like, but I really love doing that. It's like, that's good. Yeah. But for a time, it's just for a time. Next year, you can reevaluate and pick it up again mm. if you want to. So I think the slowing down stuff, like we just have to create space because as I said um in the previous episode that if we don't if we just keep going 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 we actually just don't give our bodies minds spirits mm. a chance to even connect with ourselves and with mm. god even like mm. and so we don't actually have time to notice mm. oh i'm feeling sick or oh i'm getting a little bit of a headache or oh my neck's really tight mm. more tight than normal or, or whatever it is so when we slow down and create space, mm. you by default, you'll just start noticing it. Mm. Um, and it's not foolproof. Mm. Like I think I've been practicing this for like 10 years yeah. and I still get caught up and I'm like, why have I got headaches? I'm like, think about what's happened in the last yeah. two, two yeah. weeks or a month. And it's like, of course I'm stressed. Like, because it's, we haven't had any weekend off or we haven't, mm. you know. So that's where self-compassion is really important as well to just be kind to yourself and go, you know what? I can't do anything about the last two weeks, but I can do something about the following mm. two weeks, mm. you know. Mm. So, yes. um, yep. yeah, so I think the slowing down is really, really important. I think further to that, it's asking yourself these kinds of questions. How did I feel today? Mm. Like yeah. what did I notice yep. in my body? What did I notice happening in my body? And then further to that is when you're in a situation is say to yourself, if, if it, especially if it's like a frustrating situation, <laughs> if you can – tap into your mind at the same time or straight after the hard conversation mm. or something is go, what am I noticing in my body right now? Mm. Now, mm. the trick to it is that you're not going to know straight away. If you've never learned what your body is saying to you, you won't know yeah. because you, you'll be like, what are you talking about? I don't yeah. know. But that's why the slowing down is important. Mm. If after a hard conversation, give yourself five minutes and go, how, do I, how am I feeling? And you can just be like, sit there wherever you are, and if mm. you don't know, sit in the discomfort and the silence yep. until you notice something. Mm. It's like, am I feeling tired? Do I have a headache? Am I feeling nauseous? Are my hands clammy? Mm. Is my neck tight? Whatever. Does my knee sore? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it mm. is. Like, and as you then notice that, next time it happens, ask yourself again. Totally. Mm. It is a similar, similar kind of thing. So it's yep. really, Brene uses this word practice yep. a mm. lot because it's not about getting to something and then I'm awesome at it now. I don't need to do yeah. it again. And noticing what's going on our bo- in our bodies is one of those things. Mm. Like it just takes ongoing practice to mm. know that. Like for me, the headaches, I've probably always had headaches around stress, but I've only learned it in the last 10 years yes. since therapists have been teaching me mm. how to do that and how to learn that. So mm. slowing down is really key. Yeah. And it is if you're burnt out, like you just have to be a bit ruthless in your life and declutter a lot of things that you're committed to mm. and know that it's actually a strength for you to say, I actually need to pull back from this for mm. a time and know that, and, and I guess be close to those people who love you no matter what. So that when you have to tell a leader or someone that you're yeah. pulling back, that when they don't react well, that you can debrief that with your close people mm. and just be mm. like, ah, oh, that person I had to tell and they weren't happy about it because then your bestie can say, but what you did was one of the really like yeah. greatest, strongest things you've ever done. Yeah. Mm. So they'll get over it. Yep. They'll be fine eventually. Yeah. And you've honored yourself in this. Yeah. Mm. And honored God and your time and all that. That's mm. really good. One of the things that um, Emma and I have been doing in our 30 day of vulnerability 
challenge yeah. that we mm-hmm. kind of set ourselves. I, we said this in when we, we talked about that in our vulnerability episode, that this isn't like a public look great on social media thing. It's been every other day a text message to each other mm. being like, here's the way I was or a voice memo. Here's yeah, the way I was vulnerable awesome. today. And then we are able to affirm each other. So it's finding the person or the people that you're able to do that with. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be some huge spectacle. It's literally just like, hey, I did this really hard thing today. Yeah. And the other person can be like, yeah, awesome, well done. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like setting a challenge of like how can I learn to listen to my body mm. better today and maybe it's being like, hey, I learned that like my neck gets really sore yeah. or yeah. like I learned that uh, I get really shallow breathing after I have mm. a really hard conversation. Like it's all mm. those small things. So this is one of the things we may come back to in another podcast episode down the track because yeah. uh, one of the questions Christians often will ask is like around meditation and is it bad or evil or whatever. But one of the things that I committed to earlier this year which has ended up being – such a blessing is downloading the Headspace app and mm. using that for breathing exercises. And it's actually since using the app that I've realized I get to the end of the day and I'm like, I haven't actually been breathing properly today. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. obviously, I've been breathing because I'm still alive, yes. but at no point have I actually taken a deep breath and just kind of. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. And so, it's, yeah, it's really interesting that that is becoming the initial signal for me. Yeah. Like, oh, awesome. I haven't been breathing today. Mm. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm. That's so good. And even if you don't have language for it, because I'm sitting here right now and I'm just like, I am not feeling bang on and I have no idea why. Yeah. And I can't even tell you, I I have zero language for what I'm feeling right now. All I know is that I just don't think something's right. Yeah. And that's all I got. So Mm -hmm. if you are listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, they know all their signs and they know where they're at (laughs) and learn all these things and they're, you know, on top of it. I'm like, I'm there with you because I've got no (laughs) idea what's going on in me. All I know Mm -hmm. is that something's just not quite right. And if it's just the small step of like, hmm, something's off and that's all I've got language for, that's okay. Start Mm -hmm. somewhere. Yes. That's right. That's Mm -hmm. really good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. To wrap this up, Anna, any kind of final thoughts, things that you'd like as takeaways for anyone who's been listening, who's made it all the way to the end of the podcast with us? <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Um, well, just one thing. Mm. I would say that self-care is a lifelong journey. Mm. It will never be mastered. And so it needs oh. to be practiced. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And so just reminding yourself that it's a journey and that's why exactly what Emma said, like if you're listening and you're like, I've got no idea about any of this, like you're in good company. Mm. Like yeah. that was me 10 years ago plus when mm. my counsellor said you're burnt out and I was like, what? And <laughs> we'll just teach you self-care. And I was like, what? Like so <laughs> it's – and so we all need to – we all get to start somewhere. Yes. And, you know, whether you're on this journey – far into it or whether this is the first time you've heard about it or are feeling encouraged or maybe triggered by mm-hmm. it that it's it's okay it's mm. it's a good place to be and just remember that f- from what I, my experience and also the people that I've worked with where this has helped is that they've really reframed in their mind that this isn't about a destination mm. it's a, it's a life change really and and that's hard like mm. anything we do that's a life change is hard it's also really worth it mm. Um, the journey is so worth it. So that would be my That's so good. That's a mic drop moment. <laughs> mic drop. Yep. We've got nothing yep. else to say. No, nope. <laughs> other than to say, Anna, thank you so much for your time. Yes. There's always many other things that you could be doing and boundaries that need to be set for your time. And obviously you've got some very exciting things coming up with wedding yes. planning and things. So we are so grateful that yeah. you have given us thank your you. time today and your wisdom. It's been an absolute yeah. privilege and you girls are awesome. So oh, thank and you. You're quite awesome. happy to you've sit made around us and chat around. better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> quite literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>
Yes. So yeah, thank you for this, but also thank you for the journey that you have been on and are on mm. with both of us mm. and, and probably many of the other people that you've journeyed with would yeah. want to say the same thing mm, given the opportunity. You. So thank you. And to those of you who made it to the end of this, well done. Reach out to someone if you need to chat, be vulnerable, yeah. practice that courageous vulnerability. Yeah. And we will catch you in the next episode. We will. See you later. See ya. Welcome back to the That's Good From You podcast, everybody. Did I even say that right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we are doing I'm really well. The, the uh, I was, no, as the words are coming out of my mouth, I was like, what's the name of our podcast again? <laughs>